Welcome to our live stream, everybody. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be uh, recording a podcast here, and we're gonna be doing it live. And what, what do we got? We got what do we got going? What do we have going on? Well, today? let me. Uh, so we have it for YouTube. I'll do a little bit of an intro. Welcome to the. Uh oh, hello everybody. Welcome to the Create Invent podcast. Uh, I think we need a new tagline here because I don't know that the old one fits. Uh, it's just me and Jeremy here today. We're going to be talking to Jeremy about his uh, success on his JC Pro Macro Kickstarter. We're going to chat with you guys a little bit about uh, our experiences lately on Tindy.com, where we sell our electronics. And we're going to be taking some live uh, callers, and we have one in the waiting room. And if you're watching live, there's a link in the YouTube video description that you can click on and you can come and talk to us. Right, we'd, uh, we'd love to talk to you. And uh, I guess, Pat, uh, since you know, since we're doing it live, we're doing the podcast live today, we might as well do the, the coffee break immediately, right? Oh yes, I forgot we were gonna do the coffee break immediately. Yeah, so, so. Um, yeah, so first of all, let's give our shout out to our top five-ish Patreons. We got Positive Waves, Brian Moses, Stuart Morrow, Christina Kearney, Raptor, Carl, and I don't know, is there somebody else we're possibly, I, I guess Michael Sizer too. So he's uh, got to yeah. give him a shout out. So Jeremy, I want to ask you about Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, well, let, let's, is it... what do you got to ask me about Kickstarter? Well, what is Kickstarter? Jeremy? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, well, yeah, well, let's just say. Everybody knows that Kickstarter is where you go when you want money. Right, right. Well, so Kickstarter right? is basically like you, you have an idea <laughs> and people pay to Kickstarter to basically get you get you going and yeah so on, on kickstarter i had a, a macro pad that i've been working on for quite a while jeremy yes what is a macro pad so yeah so a macro pad basically <laughs> it's it's a, like a little keyboard where you can put in different different functions for different keys so my my macro pad has has eight, eight keys plus a rotary rotary encoder which is probably the coolest thing about it it's also now a rotary encoder for people watching that's a right, knob. that's a knob so basically like if you hook it up the most basic use is that you can turn the volume up on your on your stereo, not stereo, but on your computer. On your hi-fi. On your, on your hi-fi. You can put some, assign the keys as like, you know, stop, fast forward, back, or whatever else. And maybe you could have a browser mode. And mine actually has um, some of the GPIO, the, the input-output pins broken out. So it's basically like a, like a keyboard that's entirely customizable however you want it. It's using an ATmega32U4, which is basically an Arduino that you can program to act as a keyboard. So anything you want, you could have like type words in, you can have it control your media, you can have it anything you want. And I, I use it on um, my Macintosh computer. I think people have used it on Windows. Pat's used it with Linux and I believe a Raspberry Pi. So it's... Yep. I use mine every day on my uh, on my Linux machine nice. here. Anyway, this, this Kickstarter has been yeah, pretty successful. Now, Jeremy, you haven't made a million dollars, right? No, I've made uh, on this Kickstarter. I made like a, a, a mil dollars, as in a, a thousand, a couple, a couple mil. I've, I've made, Good. I've made a couple mil, which is milli dollars, milli, milli dollars. So thousands of a dollar. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Um, but no, it's it's interesting because you know I I developed this. You know, the whole the whole story kind of started a couple of years ago. I think I saw Adafruit's. Um, they had a teensy thing where you could control the volume and I think maybe like mute mute stuff with um 
with an encoder like this, like a rotary knob. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I built one and then I built another one that maybe had some other functionality, yada, yada, yada. A couple years later, I, I figured out how to do PCB design. It, it's, um, you know, took a class on that with a, with a guy named Anuli, very good, uh, you know, very helpful. That was, that was awesome using KiCad or KiCad, depending on your, uh, your sect, I, I guess, is that, is that the right word? Boy, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to say it. I've only ever seen it written no, down. No, I, I think people, I think there's like an argument about it or something. And then in my head. We should ask Mr. 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 KiCad. Mr. <laughs> anyway, I learned how to design PCBs and after a while I was like, oh, I could make a keypad and then I could actually have it mass produced. And it's really wouldn't be, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it wouldn't be that hard. It was was a bit hard, but you know, it wasn't like that hard. So we want to know how uh, how's the, the Kickstarter was. You were fully funded. You you broke past your minimum funding. Right, right. Goal. So my um, the way Kickstarter works, you know, put a minimum funding funding level down, which I think I put down as, as two thousand dollars. Basically, if you don't make that, you're not gonna you're not gonna do the project at, at all. So kind of yep. now, my understanding, you'd use a minimum for. Like if you're having PCBs manufactured, if you're manufacturing five PCBs, then I'm going to make up numbers. It's, you get five PCBs, maybe they're $20 each. But if you get 200 PCBs made, maybe they're only $3 each. So you need to you need to reach a certain volume to be able to to be able to sell the product for a particular price, and the minimum helps you get there. Right, exactly. So right. that minimum can be you know extremely helpful in in some in some cases, you know, in my case, it didn't matter a whole lot. So I set it fairly low just to kind of maybe not ensure that I would make it, but, but, you know, make a pretty good chance of that. And I ended up funding it by, you know, several, several hundred percent, which is, you know, it's a good thing, but it's a little bit scary too, because you, you sell all these macro pads, which I think I've sold something like, let's just say a hundred, 190, you know, Let's just say. I've always say we'll 200. say 200. We'll say around 200 to make a round number. And then at that point, I've got to I've got to make all these things. So it's been a challenge for sure. But I, I guess the one thing that's the one thing that was good about it is, and maybe the reason people were willing to fund it is that I had a, a working prototype. I mean, I, it wasn't like I was just coming out of the blue, like, yeah, I want to make, you know, something. I have no idea what to do. I had something that actually did work. You know, took some good video of it. Actually, I'll say. Pat took some good video of it, so that was very, very nice of him to help me with that. Um, Pat took some video, good video of it. I took some video of it. DIY music projects guy. I, I think I'm, I'm butchering that, but you know, we put this together and basically had a video that said this, this is something you can do, and this is what you can do with it. And you know, people, people bought into it. You know, including, including people I know, you know, through you, through you, Pat, and um, you know, people, some people I know from Tampa Hackerspace. You know, some personal, personal friends have have bought these. But then 190 people you've never met have also bought well, yeah, them. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. People have this kind of um, faith in me that that I will fulfill this. And, you, <laughs> you know, at this point, I've fulfilled 50, over 50% of it. And I've got another, well, well over a month and a half to go on it. So, you know, right now I'm early in the whole process. So that's, that's a good thing. And I, I think, you know, especially. Have you had any trouble securing all the parts that you need to assemble these? So that, that's a, that's a good question because, you know, I think, you know, being, I want to keep wanting to say 2020, but being 2022, you know, it's still, we're still having a bit of uh, supply chain issues at this point. And so if I was late on it, I think people would probably, 
probably cut me a little slack if I had a good excuse. But even in even in normal times, I know it's it's easy to get one or two parts for prototypes, and it's easy to get a thousand parts sometimes for manufacturing. But getting fifty or a hundred, you know, those numbers in between there, sometimes that's hard to hard to find a supply. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the I think the good thing was I had most of this stuff kind of kind of worked out. I think you know today you know kind of kind of Michael was alluding to a little bit when he was on. Pretty easy to get stuff from overseas. You know, I think AliExpress is where I got a lot of things, and then stuff that needed a little bit more immediate. Even some stuff that I've maybe forgotten or not don't didn't have enough. I, I can buy that off Amazon. Um, Sometimes I click on things on AliExpress, Jeremy, like a like an Arduino Nano or something. And buying two or three is cheap, but then when you'd go up to 10, 11, 12, there's some weird things that happen sometimes to the pricing, where it goes up, the shipping goes from free, 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 and then it's $80 shipping, and the, and I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't understand it, I don't know how it I've works. I've noticed that with the shipping a little bit, sometimes the shipping will be uh, free or very cheap, and then you put it up to two or three, and then it goes up, but honestly, it's been fairly reasonable, and I think it goes from a certain really cheap really slow shipping to a little bit less cheap, a little bit not as slow shipping sometimes. Okay. At least that's been my my experience. It's been, um, you know, definitely a learning, learning experience. We're kind of talking about the laser earlier too. You know, some of these parts on this are, are laser cut. In fact, uh, you know, like the base, I cut that on my laser. So it's nice to have. You're, you're doing those in-house in your Doing workshop. those in-house, yeah. So I've, I've spent decent amount of money on acrylic for it you know it's kind of cool to be able to assemble these and have your laser working so even if you're not doing that good of a job you can uh say well at least at least something's getting done. at least somebody in the house is working <laughs> exactly and and even better if you're if you're slacking off and if your 3d printer's running and your closer's going i mean you know are you really slacking off if the machinery is doing work the robots are working no i don't i don't think so i mean you know you told them what to do so it's true you know mar marketing was was a big thing just trying to have a good good video up putting a good description basically just 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 find why why i could do it and i think one of the reasons i could i could say that i could do it even though i hadn't ever done a kickstarter before actually I, i'll say there's i'll say there's two reasons you know first of all i could say that Legitimately say I've, I've shipped hundreds of parts on Tindy, um, mostly something called an Easy Fan 2 board. And um, the other thing is the fact that I've worked in, I worked in manufacturing before I started working for myself, mostly doing writing and stuff. I think people will say, well, well, I know how you can, you know, go through a process. Yeah, I know how you can, oh yeah, it's an Easy Fan 2 board. Easy Fan yeah, 2. I have one now, oh, Jeremy. Nice. Yeah, so basically this little board is just a, uh, it's a transistor, diode, and resistor. Basically just makes it easy to turn on a fan on a Raspberry Pi. Something that I thought was just kind of annoying because, you know, you, you need a cooling fan for Raspberry Pi, but you don't want to have it run all, running all the time. But say if you fulfilled half the order, are you doing them in a particular order, like the easy ones to ship first, or are there some orders that are waiting on parts, or how is this, uh, am I asking to, are these hard-hitting questions? No, no, well, bro, you know, as you know, we're a hard-hitting podcast. Yes. So, so my, my Kickstarter and, you know, just to kind of to finish up what I was thinking a little bit, you know, I worked in manufacturing, so I was able to set up a manufacturing cell, you know, work cell with some bins and stuff. But, um, but as far as actually fulfilling it, you know, I get these boards made and, and checked. So I had one tier that is just, just the boards. So I could, I could put those in a bag and ship them. I mean, that was, 
very easy. So hopefully people have gotten him and maybe some people have put them together. I don't, I don't really know. Second tier was kits. And that's that's where things get a little bit a little bit harder because you've got about my kits have about 20 parts in them. And when I you know when I thought about it to begin with, I was like, I was thinking this was an easy project, but now that I'm doing it, maybe it's actually a fairly somewhat advanced project. I mean, it's more <laughs> more than I thought it would be, just because you've got to put all these parts together. And you know what I did? I put a together basically like a little manufacturing cell. So I've got all these pick bends you can just go. Pick, 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 pick all your all your parts, final parts, and then before that you've got a um, kind of bag of a, assembled parts, or not assembled parts, but small parts that are used to put together everything. So, you know, basically you put together a small bag of parts, fasteners and things. fasteners and stuff, and then you put together the final parts. Then you get your options. So that was the second hardest part, and that was kits. The hardest one though would be the actual assembled parts that I basically I assemble them, I program them, I send them to you, and hopefully you just can just plug it in and, and use it. So naturally I, I did the, the boards first, but I didn't really do the kits second because what I really wanted to do was was test that, that everything worked. So if I put the kits together and basically, basically with a fully assembled, I could test them in house and if there was a problem, you all solve it as, as they might say. But if there's a kit, then I send them out and you know, people are not, uh, it's not working. People will be disappointed if it's not working. So, so basically I put together a bunch of assemblies and I also did like a test, basically a test run, which I I think I, I think there was actually this one that I put together, basically packed up a fake fake part, took it out and assembled it myself. And that's what I did the, the assembly video based on that. Since then, I know, um, know our friend Alex, friend of the show, he's actually put his kit together and programmed it. So it was, I was thrilled to hear it, it worked correctly, even though, you know, I had no reason to think it wouldn't work. Yeah, but you never know until the first one gets out you never there. know. Not necessarily the first one, but the, you know, the first one you get feedback. Right, on. right. And, and, you know, you got to think, well, have I put enough documentation out there that people can put it together? The assembly documentation, the video I'd made, I, th I think is pretty good. The programming video, when I, when I, when I took the video, I think I had two microphones on, so it sounds terrible. And oh, I was no. doing it with, uh, my old webcam, I think, which didn't really work. Anyway, it may be helpful, but it's not very good. Yeah, hopefully I'll have something better out soon. So so far, the the vast amount of feedback has been very good. Two people did not get their, their knobs, which uh, which I corrected that. And- You know who'd mess that up? Well, I'll tell you what, the, um, <laughs> I, I did I did mess that up. <laughs> and the reason, reason about this, the reason I did that, the reason I messed it up, I guess it's something I would do a little bit differently if I was doing a Kickstarter again. It's fine to have options, but really what you want to have add-ons, not options, because the way I was doing it, I'd put together my my standard parts, you know, pick, 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 pick. And then you say, okay, option one, option two, option three, option four. So you think, okay, there's an enhanced knob and a standard knob. So this is the enhanced knob. And if it doesn't have a thing for enhanced knob, then it's like, okay, I don't need that option. But you do need that option. You need the standard knob. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think, where I got screwed up a couple times. Do you want my advice there, Jeremy? Sure. You should have two bins, right? You should always have to take something out of every column of bins, and there should be two bins there, regular and nice. It's a good, it's a good idea. So you always pull one out. And maybe not even put them in the box. You pull them out of the bin and put them in, put, put a thing in front of each bin, so every slot should have a has to have something. 
That's interesting. But then if you've got add-ons, then you don't pull anything out of that bin. Oh. See, here's here's my... Yeah. I got, I've got a two-fold solution for this. First of all, in the future, I think what I would do is have either no knob or an enhanced knob or just not have that be an option either way. Just say you're getting a knob. It doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. Or the, the second thing I would second thing I have been doing is do the options first. That way you do the options. You say pick this, pick that. You know you're kind of thinking about it, and then you go into your standard parts. Just pick, 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 pick. So that way you're not in a rhythm, and then go back to like, who knows what's going on here? You know you can basically yeah. you you know you have to think about it to begin with, and then you can kind of put your mind in neutral to pick the other five. You're not you're not mind neutral. Then what am I doing? It's okay, this is what I'm doing. Now I can slack off mind-wise. Well, Jeremy, do you know how often I walk into a room and forget why I went in there? I don't 20... know how often, but it, I know it's a lot. <laughs> you... I know for sure it's a lot. Oh, I thought that was a joke. I, I don't know how often. You know how often I work no, in a room and don't know? I don't know. Yeah, don't you? You go wander off and you're like, what was my plan? I had a plan. I needed to do something. Yeah. Yeah, but... I don't know what it was anymore. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, even even today, I think you wandered into the room and just you're wondering why the podcast was on, and you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm on." The, I guess I keep thinking of the the mate. You know, it's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, Pat. That's what that's what Cowboy Curtis said. Is that true? Did he really? Did he say that? Did he say that on HBO or on Saturday morning? I I don't even know anymore. I think he was. We don't know. Or was it Morpheus? I'm very, <laughs> like, I'm literally thinking you're talking about Cowboy Curtis. I have a Kickstarter, I have a, a question about Kickstarter, Jeremy. Are you prepared to do your next Kickstarter? Are you going to use this, uh, this currency that you've earned of having a successful Kickstarter to move into another one in the future? Oh, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's a bit of a, uh, bit of a mystery. I've got, I've got a product that I want to put out there, but. Do I know about you, it? You do actually. You, I mean, I won't say anything, but I just want to make sure I know what you're talking well, about. Well, yeah, you do, you do know about it. You might have a you might have a sample of it, but um, I I think I'm gonna put that one out on Tindy. I guess my I guess my fear is it's like I, I've done I've done a pretty good job on this so far. I think you know, assuming I'll, I'll uh, fulfill everything else, it's like oh, am I gonna have another good idea in the future? You know, I don't I don't know. Maybe are you gonna have another good idea? I'll have ideas, I'm sure. Are you gonna iterate on this one? I think I I think I've got a few ideas for iterating in this one. So you know, even though I, I'm quite happy with how it how it looks right now, I do have I do have a couple ideas. So you know, I guess I could put out a Kickstarter for a version, you know, two point one or something. Or you know, I think um, you know we were talking about Tindy. I think this you know if you didn't get on on the Kickstarter, which is fine. You know, we do have um, I do have it up on Tindy for um, pre order right now, and it'll be up there. You know, in, hopefully within a month or so. Are you going to continue to sell the version one until, or have they run out yet? They, the JC Pro Macro one it has not run out yet, so you, you can buy one now if if you like. Um, I'll I'll say it's it's fully functional, but it's it's not as good as not as good as this one because <laughs> you know I kind of like the one. You do? Okay. Yeah, I wish it had LEDs though because I really rely on the LEDs. I have I change the colors of the lights based on what is going on over here yeah on that, that is nice you, you, and i very much rely on you have that. it set up very nicely I, so so yeah this will be up on tindy um you know eventually eventually i mean probably hopefully within a month or so and 
You're not allowed to sell them on Tindy until you fulfill every Kickstarter order, is my understanding. Uh, that's reasonable. Well, Kickstarter, that's Kickstarter's rule, I think, right? I, I think, I don't know. If it's not a real, it's, it's not an official rule, it's certainly, certainly an unofficial it, rule. It's Jeremy's rule, for sure. <laughs> the, thing, the thing I'm a little bit worried about, though, is certain people have not filled out the uh, survey, so once I fulfill... Oh, that's not, that's... That's their fault, not your fault. Okay, they can't hold you up from continuing to. Because I, move I don't, forward. I don't feel bad about that. But you know, if somebody else has a problem with it, then you know. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, so uh, fulfillment's going well. I guess, I guess my advice for uh, anybody looking to get into Kickstarter will be, you know, it's probably harder than you would think. Think it is. I mean, I designed this macro pad, and I thought, you know, just... Jer Jeremy, we've got a question. Okay. From from our friend Twisted Grim from Discord. Oh, excellent. Can Jeremy talk more about the experience of designing in KiCad for a Kickstarter item? Any different question mark? Ooh, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I'll say the one the one difference, just maybe not not KiCad, but just just generally speaking, you know, you design something in Kickstarter or in, Kick, in KiCad, and generally like I would sell it on Tindy, you know, and then iterate from there. But with with uh, Kickstarter, you would design something. And then you get, you know, you might get some feedback from people, say, see on, on Discord, you know, you guys have been extremely helpful. Um, you might get some feedback and say, okay, I need to change this, change that, change that. I think there's a lot more, a lot more time for iteration before you actually sell something, which I think is very, very helpful. And I think, I think help make this, you know, take this from a, you know, good enough product to something that, that was really, really good. I, I think probably the biggest thing was, when I first started doing this, I was having the um, the headers for the the pro the uh, pro micro board coming up from the top, just because that was kind of a kind of a um, consequence of the how the original was designed to, to have the the pro micro board on top of the uh, the board. I don't know. I, th I think Brian Moses convinced me to yeah do the work his, now. Do the work don't now, and that was probably the biggest the biggest thing. <laughs> but yeah. and for for Tindy, you'd probably buy their. In the beginning, they were just bare PCBs you were getting, so you can get them in small quantities for a reasonable price. So you were probably getting them by the ten or twenty at a time instead of two hundred at a time. Just generally speaking, there's a lot more time for iteration, and and I guess the fact that you can put it out there, and it's not like you have to keep it secret before you show people. It's like if you have it up on Kickstarter, you've already kind of, I don't want to say you've laid claim to it, but it's already out there, and people already know that it's your product. You've already designed it, so at that point you have this certain period where you can get feedback and not have to worry about it. And you will, you will get feedback if you're out there on discord or social channels or whatever. And I think that's extremely valuable. I, I think you've done a good job answering the question, Jeremy. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. And for, thanks James for agrees too. All right. Good. So it's, and it was his question. Yeah. So it's a good, well, well, good. So yeah, more time for iteration. I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. You know, I set the due date way farther out than I thought I would need it to be, and it's um, you know ended up actually being a little, a lot more accurate than I thought I thought it would be, just because it's <laughs> you know those things you don't think about. I mean, there's things you run out of. You know, oh, I need more tape, no more solder. We had another baby in in the you know couple a month or so ago. Congratulations, oh, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you. So, you know, I, I figure um, you know, it's a lot of things to to think about, I guess. Uh, that, that's a big. I'm not saying that's not a big deal, but you know, it's uh, 
Yeah. Obviously, things happen. Things happen in your life, everybody's lives. Um, so you got to just think about that and give yourself time. You know, I so just. You're, Michael Sizer is in the waiting room right now. He wants to. He says he wants to talk to you, Jeremy. Uh -oh. Well, uh, should should I let him in? It. All right. Let's. I, we've only done this a few times before, so let's see what happens. Can we hear you? Hi, guys. Can you hear me this time? I can absolutely hear ah, you, Michael. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very. Not too very bad. Good. Not too bad. I, I didn't expect you to take the call right away. I, if, if you guys wanted to talk about the 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 JC Pro first, uh, Macro Pro first, by all means, don't let me, uh, you know, get in the way. Oh no, it's it, it's uh, the order we do things really doesn't matter because we can uh, switch it around in post if we had to. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> so. We don't want you to have to wait along, wait around, wait along. That's not that's not the word. But uh, so what's going on, Michael? You're now you're in um, you're in Canada, correct? You're calling in from. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 actually in my little studio, which is uh, at a makerspace in Hamilton, Ontario. Here, where where I I, I sort of rent a studio space, um, which I use more of as an office, and I sort of use the makerspace as my sort of shop as. Oh well, that, um, so that's oh, that's very that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it is because it gives me access, to, of course, to stuff that I otherwise just wouldn't have access to, right? Yeah, so. for, for sure. I mean, it's it's you know at least um, with me, you know, my local 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 hackerspace, Tampa hackerspace. I think it's fifty bucks a month, and just the the amount of tools you have access to is is fantastic. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't take as much advantage of it as I should because I've got pretty much what I needed in my garage, but. You know, for somebody, you know, if I was, if if I if I didn't have that, it'd be, it'd be it is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I I I use the uh, I use the laser engraver laser engraver quite a bit. Um, they're setting up a four by eight CNC router now. Um, so oh, I want one of those. Yeah, so do I. But at least I can get to play with one pretty soon once they've got it set up here. So, well, you know, I yeah. used to have a, a twelve by seven CNC router. But that was actually in, really? in, in inches, though. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's almost as big as my three D printer, Jeremy. Almost. I mean, it was cool for the time, but you know, now I've got a... actually. Is that a is that a K forty laser engraver you have, Jeremy, in the background? There's, there's a blue device back there. Oh, I can't really see it now, but I've seen it in previous interviews mm. or podcasts. I, I do not have a laser engraver in my uh, in my office. I've got I've got a oh, laser cutter in my garage, so you may have seen that on a YouTube video. Um, okay, maybe. But that's that. a big red one. The K40s are like a powder blue color. Yeah, that's right. I've got a yeah. I got a red and black branded laser, as as they say, you know, because it's okay. who, who knows what they're. Uh, but it's a, I mean, it's been such a useful tool. I've been using it extensively with the JC Pro Macro too when I'm producing that. But we'll we'll get into all that a little bit later. Um, so, so Michael, what, uh, what do you, what have you been working on these days? Well, as, as I've mentioned to you through email, um, actually, I'm kind of glad to get the opportunity to chat with you guys because you're going through, you're a couple steps ahead of me. You're with your JC Macro Pro 2, uh, with doing your own production. Um, I'm, I've got a product that I'm working on too. Um, I happen to have it right here, but just coincidentally, <laughs> um, in the breadboard stage. So I'm doing an Airmont air quality monitor uh circuit um, oh very cool yeah I, well i think so it's um it's geared toward uh small farms so people that have like oops hobby farms for a couple of horses what have you um when they can't afford 
you know, like obviously there are big industrial expensive air mon air quality monitors that you can, you know, buy into that integrate with your HVAC and all that, but they're so expensive. So I'm trying to um, get, get something that's a little more affordable that, you know, people that have a couple of horses or what have you can afford for their barns. That's a beautiful uh, breadboard. Mine, mine generally don't look at that, uh, that nicely set up. It's like you actually put some effort into it. You know, I, I cursed in college. I graduated in college in 96, I think it was. But one of our final projects was we had to wire up a, a circuit. It was a, quite a big circuit. It wasn't quite this big, but it was big. But we were actually graded partially on how neat the board was. Um, and I spent hours and hours and hours on that thing. And, and I guess the lesson learned there was, you know, if you want to be able to troubleshoot a circuit, you can't just have a whole spaghetti mess of wires, right? Obviously, if it's a few LEDs or whatever, it's no big deal. Um, but the more complicated a circuit gets at the breadboarding stage, you don't want what they call that, those elephant circuits, right, where you can't even tell what's connected to what. So yeah. even though I cursed at the time, um, it was a lesson learned. So it's it's, it's benefit, benefiting me today, although I don't want to admit that to my professor from back then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, get, I get that. It's, um, you know, when I first started working, it, you know, I was like, well, what does it matter if it, something doesn't look good or whatever? And somebody told me, he said, he said you know, if something looks... I won't use the phrases to use exactly, but you know, if something mm. look, doesn't look very good, people aren't going to would be willing to give it a chance. But if it maybe, yeah, you know, maybe it looks a little bit better and they have a hard time with it to begin with, they're going to give it a little bit more respect. And you know, I think that's one element. And then also, as you said, troubleshooting. You know, if things are labeled and it's neat, there is some real value to that. And I think that's maybe something you don't. Well, you know, a professor could tell you, or you can learn through experience. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially and with breadboarding, because they can be a little bit flaky, sometimes the traces don't hold very well and little wires break sometimes. It's just, you know, you want to be able to tell what's connected to what fairly easily. I was going to complain about breadboards today because I watched Jeremy's video putting his, uh, how to put his JC Pro macro pad together. Mm -hmm. And he was complaining about one of his breadboards that if you put the unsoldered uh, pin headers in, yeah. you know, to help line it up for soldering that sometimes pushes the pins out. That means, Jeremy, you're using a bread, one of the crummy Chinese breadboards that doesn't <laughs> work well. It's too, it's too hard to insert things into it. I don't know the, yeah, that's, that's, you're, prob you're probably, I don't know the polite way to I'm say a, that. I'm a big fan of cheap electronics. But all my breadboards are cheap, but half of them are like that. They're all the same price, but half of them came from somewhere else where I, I mean, I can't, you barely push anything into the holes. It's, it's all 50% oh, really? of the time it works every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember in college, we used to, we had the same breadboard for the whole two years. And so you'd eventually, of course, some of the, some of the tracks stopped working. So we, I remember with you take a marker and you'd write on it, say, just scratch it out. So you remember not to use that track anymore. Otherwise you just yeah, don't use this row. Yeah, anymore. exactly. That's no That's good. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's amazing how much uh, electronics have come down in price. I mean, imagine at the time, because, you know, now it's like, well, breadboard's not working, you know, just, you know. <laughs> Spend another 50 cents or a dollar. I don't, I don't know what they are this year. I know everything's a little different this year. I haven't bought one in a while. It's incredible. They like, like with this, this project I'm doing, like I, if you had told me in college that, that in, you know, in 18 or 20 years, You'll, you're going to design a circuit that's run by a microcontroller and you're going to plug it into your USB port on your computer. Well, I wouldn't have known what a USB port was, but you're going to plug it into a serial port on your computer 
um, and used some fairly simple programming language to get this thing running, I would have thought you're crazy. I thought, you know, microcontrollers, like those, that the engineers use microcontrollers, right? Like, so it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing the changes. I mean, granted, it's been 20 years since I was last doing it before, but, but still, it, it's still pretty amazing how we can, and, and then, then of course, the fact that you can order stuff for so cheap from overseas. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know. Well, what's, what's amazing is, um, you know, you guys have, you guys are familiar with the Teensy microcontroller boards or, or mm -hmm. anyways, you know, the Teensy 4.0, it's got a 600 megahertz processor, I believe, and you can overclock it to like a gigahertz or something. And it's like $20, you know, it's yeah. about the size of your index finger. And, you know, that just, just blows my mind because, you know, I, I think when I started using computers, I mean, that was just, just an unthinkable amount of power for a desktop PC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, anyway, it's, it's. And it's all in one chip All in now. one little chip. It's all the RAM, all the flash, all the CPU is on one little chip on that board. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, just amazing to, uh, amazing how things have gone. It's, <laughs> and somebody, you know, he was, he was joking, but he said, he said, you know, maybe they just have a, alien spacecraft that that touched down somewhere and they crashed and they're just siphoning out the technology little by little <laughs> I, along those lines i was uh youtube recommended a video to me the other day um and the the eev blog i forget the fellow's name um he's been blogging for years pat looks yeah. like you're familiar with him yeah um, so I, I know I, I, i'm trying to remember the guy's name it's uh, an Austra australian guy right oh, that's yeah that's name, right but, yeah you know. anyway yeah <laughs> So I, I I happened to click on the video and he was showing how I, I don't know if you're familiar with the website uh, LCSC. It's like a branch of uh, JCB. You know the PCB manufacturer JCB or J JLC. 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 Yeah, JLC. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a division uh, with a website called LCSC, um, and it's sort of like an alternative to Mouser and and Sudigi, right? But it's out of China. And on this video, he was showing. A microcontroller. Now I don't remember any of the specs. It was, I mean, it was small. It was an eight-pin little mic, but it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was seventy cents, and it was a an eight-pin microcontroller. It might have been a dollar seventy American, but I think it was actually seventy cents. So it, it, unbelievable. It is, you know, it is unbelievable. So yeah, yeah. And Michael, it sounds like you're wanting to. Which your uh, design up there from uh, being on a prototype on a breadboard to being a manufactured PCB is that correct? Yeah, that's that's the goal. So, um, so basically, if it, uh, maybe I'll take a minute and just tell you what it's what it is and what it's about. Yeah, please, please. Thank you. So, so basically, um, like I mentioned earlier, there are very expensive sensor systems you can buy, um, but. With those systems, I mean, just the sensors alone, not even the, the, the accompanying circuitry or anything like that, but just the actual sensors themselves can be up in the hundreds of dollars. Um, now, they're very accurate, mind you. I mean, they use their, their little, uh, they, use, they call them NDI, NDIR sensors. They have little chambers in them, basically, and they, 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 uh, they beam infrared light through them. And, of course, they know which frequencies are going in, and then based on which frequencies don't pass through, they're able to sense, you know, what is in the air based on the frequency blocking and what have you. Those are very expensive. So along the more consumer and hobbyist line, you guys may have seen them before. I expect you probably have. But for people who haven't, you have these MQ sensor 
uh, series sensors. Um, they're very different. They're not as accurate, but they're not nearly as expensive. Like these range anywhere from a couple of bucks to, you know, a few of the expensive ones might be 20 bucks. Um, and they work differently. Okay. They, they work on the principle of, um, they react. They're, they're, they have internal resistors that react to gases in the air. And they change the resistance based on what gases are in contact with them. One of the challenges, though, is that they're not very specific in terms of, like, so, for example, I don't, and I don't remember specifically which particular sensors sense which gases off the top of my head, but you might get, say, an MQ-2, and I, know I don't remember, it might be CO2 it detects, but it also, it may be partially sensitive to methane, for example. And so you'll know that one of those gases is present, but you don't know for sure which one is which. So what I've done is okay. I've kind of gone through a matrix and thought, okay, well, this one senses this, and so does this. So if I monitor both of them, then I know as long as both of them are giving me an output, then it's in fact that particular gas, right? Whereas if only one of them, well, then it's methane. Or So I've designed the circuit based on that. Um, and it runs off an Atmega, uh, AT, uh, Atmega 328P, which is the same thing, same microcontroller that's in the Arduino Uno. Um, and I'm a little surprised that nobody has done this yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to find out some more along the way why it's not being done. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I know this failing. Yeah. But, um, I, I've got it to the stage now where I've got a, a, a physical circuit built. I'm still waiting on, uh, three sensors, um, and the LCD, uh, for, for, uh, you know, for the serial port to display. Um, but I'm moving on now to writing the program. Uh, so that should happen within a few weeks at the most, I would hope. Um, very cool. And then I'll have a working prototype at that point. That's awesome. Um, and it's it's very yeah. responsible of you to make an actual breadboard beforehand. I feel like sometimes uh, I'm guilty of just jumping to the PCB and then regretting it occasionally. <laughs> so. Well, I knew at this I knew with this circuit, it's it's a little too complicated for me to just jump into it, right? But I know what you mean when it's smaller circuits. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that's awesome. I've been keeping my eye on various uh, air quality sensors that'll plug in, that'll integrate with something like uh, Home Assistant, the home automation stuff I use, the open source home automation stuff right. that I use at home. Yeah. But I don't even know what I want to know about air quality. I don't know enough to to know even know what I'm looking for. That was one of the challenges, too, was I, I first had to do some research on, well, what are the specific gases in barns that can accumulate? Um, you know, which are the ones that you're yep. actually concerned about. Um, so there was some research. A much more complicated problem than I'm trying to solve. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I mean, it's not a super complicated. That's why, like I said, I'm a bit nervous that I'll find out why it's actually not already in the market is because it's not terribly complicated. I mean, I had to do my homework, of course, but it's not, there's no rocket science involved either. So I'm hoping I'm just lucky enough that I happen to be the first person to do it. You yeah, know? sometimes we'll see. I guess somebody's somebody's got to be the first, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what? Uh, what is um? You know, you monitor this air quality. What do you What do you do with that data? What What are you looking to? What's your final goal of this this project? When right? So, um, at this point, um, the the this particular circuit that I've built here, it will display on an LCD, uh, and and you know, I've got some RGB LEDs where they'll go blue to warn you that. A certain level is getting high and red when it's at an unacceptable level, right? Right. Um, but of course, it's not that difficult to put in, you know, a, a, a Bluetooth 
the you know compatible board or something like that and then you could have it notify your phone or or even now with um and i haven't looked into exactly how to do this yet but now with with arduinos in the cloud um it's probably wouldn't be that difficult to have it alert you and send you an email or something so you don't even have to be in the property um and then ultimately i think what probably would be the wisest thing would be to integrate it somehow with wi-fi so that you could use um, a Wi-Fi controlled outlet, and then you could have it turn on a, a say an exhaust fan automatically, right? Oh, that would sure. be the ultimate, I think. <laughs> Those that would make the product. Can't uh, see me and Pat shaking our heads. Yes, that's that's a that's a great idea. <laughs> this is true. I've been nodding the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that that would make sense, right? Be I mean, it's 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 it's. I mean, it's nice to just just to know at least if even if the gases are present, because at at minimum you can open you you can react yourself. But ideally, I think people would certainly rather that it uh it automatically turned on a fan or at least notified them remotely and i don't think yeah, that absolutely that should be too difficult to uh to arrange yeah for sure it's, it's amazing you know just like we were saying earlier it's amazing the processing power but it's amazing that you know the way you were able to integrate everything i mean even 10 years ago you couldn't you couldn't do this kind of thing but no no you know and it's no uh, that's right you know 10 years ago you would have had to build your own dedicated circuit like and it would be completely independent of, of of anything else right whereas now you can integrate it with with and, and i mean wi-fi i mean so many properties have wi-fi now it you know it's, i know i i i do a lot of uh, maintenance work on on animal sanctuaries where they have barns what have you and it's it's very common to be able to pick up wi-fi from the house in the barn so you know it's just and even if you can't cellular data is getting exactly very inexpensive there are some data very low bandwidth data plans you can get that are just that's right you know ten dollars or less a month to connect yeah. your well i guess to connect your barn up to mm -hmm. the internet of things yeah. yeah exactly yeah i was just complaining about this stuff today michael and jeremy when uh, my friend alex was here i was complaining that 20 years ago if we had these arduinos and 3d printers and cnc machines back in the time when i was modifying cars yeah it would have been tremendous. I was talking about, we used to buy this device. It was about 300 bucks that went between the airflow sensor and the computer. And the airflow sensor gave a output of frequency. Okay. The higher the frequency, the more air was flowing. Right. And you were, you just had little knobs like a graphic equalizer to adjust those frequencies to, you know, to trick the computer into thinking there was more or less air than there actually was. And you could totally do that with a $5 Maybe not an Arduino, but one of the a teensy or somebody would have no trouble in reading a frequency and outputting different ones and doing mappings and things. Well, yeah, we, we, were, ta we were talking about that with uh, Nova Spirit on the what episode fifty two, I guess, I guess, right? So that was yeah. Know, and you said you used to use the Palm Pilot for that kind of kind of thing, which yeah. Well, we used the Palm Pilot for just the data logging. It came over a serial port, and you'd log. You know, it would. 60 or 80 times a second it would tell you the injector duty cycle and how much airflow there was and whether the knock sensor was going off and how many degrees of timing advance you had and things like that but the more expensive device was just to modify one single signal so that we could run more fuel than the computer you know you'd put bigger fuel injectors in but the computer couldn't handle that it would you know you'd run a bigger fuel injector at the same duty cycle you expect to and you get way too much fuel and it just doesn't work yet it rain everything in a bit so ultimately what were you were you controlling the fuel to air ratio is that what you were doing or uh yes 
That's the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Because we would use uh, our cars had 450 cc per minute fuel injectors, and we would upgrade those to 550 or 650. Okay. So we could run bigger turbochargers uh. and pump more air in. And when you put a 650 in instead of a 450, you get almost, you will like, what, 33% more fuel just by default, yeah. you know, just by putting it in because it flows 30%. Okay. Harder. Yeah. So we'd have to, you'd have to tone that back. Right. But, but but now but now you're a, a drone man, I guess. Not a not a. Oh, it's so much cheaper flying FPV <laughs> drones, Jeremy. So much, so much cheaper. Uh, well, uh, well, Pat, do you wanna you wanna talk about uh, Tindy a little bit? I guess. Uh... Sure. Well, what before you ask me that, what, uh, Michael, where are how are you planning on marketing this? I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty broad question I'm asking, but yeah, well, it, it's actually that's something I have. Um, I'm aware that I don't have the background uh, in manufacturing and in marketing, and so that's one of the concerns I have. Um, I have a. I, I was talking recently to a fella I know. You know the you know the company Zeiss. They make lenses. Oh yeah. Um, well, I happen to know just by sheer chance. I happen to know someone who's fairly high up. And he had some contacts for me. He said, you know, go and see a friend of his who uh, apparently he, he's involved with, I guess, if you have a, a an idea or some sort of invention or whatever. And it's not one of those. I know there are all kinds of scams. Bring us your idea. And well, <laughs> those are scams. But this guy's apparently legit where he helps people that are getting started with the new idea um, to protect themselves and, and, you know, avoid pitfalls. So that's a really broad area that i really know nothing about i'm gonna go consult with him and get myself started um i i won't be surprised i mean i guess if if it if it flies but it stays fairly small scale then i have no problem just doing it myself you know running it off a, a website of my own whatever um if it turns out it's quite popular and and more successful than than just you know a few few units here and there um i don't know maybe Maybe I can license it off to someone who knows how to do this stuff. Who, who knows, right? We'll see. Yeah. Right. Well, that's awesome. I, you know, of course, Pat and I think this kind of thing is exciting. You know, it's part of what, part of what we do. So, Mike, Michael, you know, you're, you're going to launch this in a while, but you know, for now, where, where can we find you? I know you've got a YouTube YouTube channel, correct? So, yeah, um, Maker Mike Sizer uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah, I've I've got MakerMikeSizer.com, but I haven't set it up yet. So eventually that'll be set up and and i'll set it up a products page won't have you but probably you yeah, so right don't now. anybody go there to the website unless it's later yeah unless it's not today when it's <laughs> exactly you know, by, by, the, by the time year, we produce this he'll have it set up <laughs> oh I, <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. maybe not but you yeah i've got a few videos up on youtube now i've, I've got to get one up soon again i've been a while since i put one up so make your bike size are on youtube yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's interesting. It's not why I don't. Know. It's nice to be out there when one one form or another, you know, because that's I feel like that does maybe give you a bit of a built-in audience for for this kind of kind of thing. I I guess so. But yeah, well, you know, that, anything anything we could do to help you along, we're you know love to hear about this kind of thing. And thank you, I really appreciate it. And that's the other, just very quickly before I sign off. That's another aspect that you know something is completely new is with social media, the, the avenues that opens, right? I mean, just the, you know, the communication and connect connectivity we have now, again, you know, 
back in college, I would have never understood. You couldn't have explained to me what this, <laughs> you know, what social media would do for us. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. I mean, you know, this podcast I started, or I didn't even start it. A guy named Max Max Maker. He, he invited me to do mm -hmm. it with him, and he lives in Germany. And you know, it's like, you know, we're we're good friends now. And you know, I talk to Pat all the time. We're we're uh, we get along pretty well too. And uh, sure. you know, then I tolerate Jeremy just you know, fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're, you know, we're talking two two time zones, at least, I guess. Are you Western or are you? I'm, I'm in central time. Zone. No, Michael Otto. Not me. Well, uh -oh. it doesn't matter. Anyway, we're all over the place. I'm, I'm Eastern. So I think you and I are in the same, Jeremy, okay. you and I are in the same time zone. Yeah. You match New York, right? That, that's so, right. I, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I think I put New York and Miami time and, and Frostproof. If, and if you know where Frostproof is, then. I'd be very surprised. <laughs> New Orlando. So. Ah, okay. Well, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the time, guys. I, I really do. Thank you. Yeah, well, this thanks. Was it's fun. always fun yeah. to, you know, meet new people and stuff. So, anyway, all the best. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear from you uh, about your successful successful project, however you decide to pursue that. Thank you. That's what I'm hoping to hear is success. <laughs> you, you and me both. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right. Well, uh, well, Pat, that's uh, that was really nice to hear from him. Um, it know. was. That was a cool conversation. Yeah. And well, you know, I guess I guess it's a nice lead into you know with something else we were going to talk about. That yeah, you know, well, we could talk about Kickstarter or Tindy, but I was thinking you know Tindy as far as somewhere that's nice to sell stuff. I'm trying to think. I'm very pleased with Tindy. I've been I've been selling on Tindy for four years, three or four years now. Yeah. That sound right? I believe Maybe that. So. I'm going to say that that's true. In fact, I think that's how uh, how I met you because I I haven't really sold on Tindy for that long. Maybe like a year, a little more than a year. But you know, Pat was um, a seller there and I actually interviewed him for Tindy for their their blog. So you know, because I that's I write true. I have you know I uh, I've written for their blog for several years now, and um, and now I sell stuff for them, and that's actually probably become bigger business than even the writing side of things there at least um at this point and you know it's interesting like it's nice to be able to write about something that you think is is cool you know because sometimes you know you you know i don't want to say i don't i don't want to try to say sometimes you have to make a buck but sometimes you can write about something that you really think is is awesome and you know tindy yeah tindy qualifies as, as that category i think well that's awesome um yeah Jeremy, I have a, there's something we didn't say. What's that? So I'm going to ask you the question. What, what on earth is Tindy.com? Oh, yeah. So Tindy, well, it's, it's that, um, I was going to make a joke about it being a dating site, but that's not. <laughs> we made that joke with Max Maker. We, I'm sure. A long time yeah, that, ago. That joke has probably been made <laughs> thousands of times maybe, but no, Tindy is basically a, a, a website where you can sell indie electronics so you know think about like you know etsy or maybe even ebay but like basically focused on electronics that you know more or less you made or maybe that maybe supplies for making something and it doesn't even have to be electronics it could be something that you laser cut or or 3d printed it's just kind of a you know almost like focused on electronics or digital manufacturing you know to you know kind of kind of think about winston winston moist kind of turned yeah. toward i guess yeah, I don't think there's actually rules about what you can or can't sell. There must be some sort of rules, but... Yeah, I don't know. They have an approval process, so I guess it was to... Uh, there are rules, I'm sure, but... 
you know, if if you're selling, you know, a, a blanket or something, you know, there's, there's better. If, there's better, better places, but I bet they wouldn't say no. You can't list your blanket in your store. <laughs> I bet it's you could crochet just like Etsy, and I bet they would like. Yeah, it. I bet they'd love like a crocheted resistor or something, something like that. That would be. Yeah, I bet there's already somebody doing that. Now I know there's a reason you want to talk about Tindy, and I, I think it's because your your sales have been been spiking for the last month or so. My sales have been fantastic the last few weeks, and it's not Tindy's fault; it's YouTube's <laughs> fault. But I mostly want to thank you guys at Tindy. Thank you, Tindy, because my my wife wanted to start an Etsy store. She's been making for Christmas. She made about twenty or thirty of these catch-all trays for her for her workers at her company for her employees. Oh, that's awesome! And it looks like it's just basically three. Three trays. It looks like a very small uh, lunch lunch tray or something. It kind of does, but, but it's we, beautiful though. It, this was fancy. I had to get a little. I it's got a little slot in the back for you. You'll sit your phone in here and it tilts back. It's it's pretty well thought out. She did a good job, but you know, starting an Etsy, there's a lot of Etsy shops, and we wanted to get her a little bit of traffic, right? So, you remember a bunch of episodes. Two episodes ago, the last episode, we talked to my friend Alex about his soda soda machine adapter. Right, right. He's been selling that on Etsy, and he got sick of selling it. He didn't like doing the work to sell it. I mean, it's a longer story than that, but that's enough. But that's a good summary. Okay, he got tired of. He, he, he said, tired of all the money. Do you want to sell? He got tired it? of all the money rolling in. I, I understand that. Yeah, it's just too much money rolling too, in. Too heavy. But, and I didn't know that I really wanted to sell it, but Chris wanted to get her Etsy store up and running. I figured, well, you know. 100 soda adapter sales in her Etsy store, that would be a good jump start to get her into the analytics, to get her into the SEO of Etsy. And we put it up there. She sold like 30 of them in the first few days. And then Etsy just closed her shop down. Just pff, her brand new shop. They closed it. They didn't say why. They didn't tell us we did anything wrong. <laughs> they, we mailed th things we had already mailed out. They refunded the orders all, uh, automatically. Oh yeah, it was awful. Yeah. What what you're saying is that Etsy wants you to not be too successful right off the bat. They want you to kind of like ramp, ramp into, into it, it or something. something. Yeah, we must have triggered some sort of some sort of fraud detection of some. But you would think they would tell you something. You would think so. Right? They told us. We've asked. They haven't said anything. We don't know what happened. Huh. So I was hustling to get the part up on Tindy quickly because we wanted to keep. We wanted to be able to fulfill those orders. And I was trying to go fast, and they kept rejecting, Tindy kept rejecting my, I'll be, I didn't have the good pictures yet. I didn't have the new ones printed. I had, we had them all boxed up, ready to go. I didn't have, I was like, ah, we got, <laughs> but we, we got it taken care of. It all worked out. Good, good. And I think we've sold 50 or 60 of them so far in the, in about two well, weeks. Well, that's, that's really, that's really good. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, you know, Tindy, at least at this point, they're, they're big enough, but they're, I guess, small enough that it still, still, kind of, kind of feels like. See, I guess, I guess, I always wonder if my perspective is a little skewed because I know the, you know, I work for the head person at Tindy, I guess, so I can get a response pretty easily. But I, hopefully, I, I imagine it's similar for other people, though maybe not the same. You, you know what I'm well, saying? Like, like am Google I? Google told me there are two and a half million people selling on Etsy. Okay. So you are in a sea of everyone. Okay. Good. Right? That's I can't imagine it works well. Because I, I guess... Well, it probably works well if you're doing well. But. Yeah, yeah. 
I guess that's just I don't want to. What am I trying to say? I ha I feel like I have a great experience, almost like it's like you know, like a like your friends or family or you know, I'm not you know, you know what I'm saying. It's like I don't yeah. feel like it's quite an anonymous thing, you know. But maybe that's more me than the general public. If that makes, I don't want to give them. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to say something where it's not necessarily true. Well, I can tell you from my my long history, my long working history, Jeremy. Every time I've moved from one company to another, it's always been to smaller companies. Yeah, you know, I started at a, like a Fortune 30 or 40, 20. I don't know, a large company, right? right? And I mean, I was only a small. Yeah, I was sure. just a little peon, right? It doesn't matter, but. I prefer the smaller companies. There's probably too small is too small, but there's a, I don't want to be at the 50,000 person. I don't want to be employee number 58,200 at a 60,000 employee company. I think that's wise. I think there's a bit of a sweet spot because I think if you get too small, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a family owned company. That's, that's great. But if you're not, if you're not the family, you're not, you're not going to be the president of that company. Yep. Whereas, you know, last last place I worked, I don't want to say they were a small manufacturer, but they were a, not a really small company, but kind of on the small side. And I felt like they treated mm -hmm. their employees really well, and there was a lot of a lot of our opportunity for advancement. If if you join, the, you don't have, and you don't even have to join the family. You don't even have to join the. You don't have to marry into well, it. Well, actually, something. you know, it was <laughs> was a uh, family owned company, but it was big enough that people were doing pretty well that weren't in the family. You know what I'm saying? But I think what we're saying is we have nice things to say about Tendi. We have nice Tindy. things to say about Tendi, even though we got a little off track. A little off track there. But but you're telling me this next project that you're working on, you're not going to kickstart it. You know, I, I'm not thinking I will. It's um, so, you know, kind of um, going back to Tendi, I've had a good relationship with them. Done pretty well selling stuff with them. And what I decided to do... I don't really know where I got this idea, but it was somehow I thought, you know, with, with the Raspberry Pi, you could make a case out of a PCB. It'd be pretty easy. You just make a top and a bottom and have standoffs. And that's that's what I did. I'm going to call it the uh, JC Pi Protect. You know, I, I debated calling it the JC Pi Proto, but, uh, you know, Pat, Pat seemed to think that more people care about protecting their Pi than prototyping on it, which I think uh, I think is probably accurate. But, yeah, I think uh, the prototyping is a big deal with Arduinos. Right, right. Uh, so basically, this comes in. Um, it comes in. Can I two, hold mine up too, Jeremy? Yeah, please do hold yours up. I but it it comes in two two flavors, and oh, yours has the. Uh, <laughs> I have some. I, I glued some lights to mine. Yeah, so it comes in two flavors. Pat has here. I, we're holding ours up. I feel like this is like what what. Uh, what you would do in Voltron or something? You know, we'd like <gasps> hold each up. Voltron. And then we. would We'd combine into the giant robot or something. Uh oh, you, and I you know? messed my glue, my taped on lights up. They're rotating. So I'm not guaranteeing that if you hold yours up to another one with the Wonder the, Twins. Yeah, Wonder Twins. I don't. I never saw that one, but exactly. You hold yours up. You combine your powers, and then you become a giant robot. Like uh. Now you know what I think is fantastic here, Jeremy. What's that? That you have the pins labeled over here. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I'm aware it's on the wrong side, but there's an arrow to show me, and I, the fan has to be where the fan is. I understand that. Right. This so, is fantastic because I never know. So, so yeah, that's one thing that was a bit of a um, 
I don't know, maybe a, I don't want to say an afterthought, but something I didn't really think of to begin with. But basically, I was just like, well, what can I put on the the silk screen in the top, the top of this? I put labels for like 3.3 volts, inputs, outputs, etc. And I point it to the GPIO pins. And as I've been experimenting with it, that's been the that's been such a such a wonderful feature because well, I want to tell you how stupid I feel today, Jeremy. Okay. Because I started to take my pie out of my I have this 3D printed case that I stuck a I modified with the I should hide so it focuses with my little Uber lights thing on there. Took it out of here. I started to put it in here, and then I didn't have didn't have the right standoff, so I aborted and was going to put it back in here. And I said, "Well, I have to plug the Uber lights back in," and I didn't know which pins they had to go on. I'm stupid. I didn't just read this. I went to I Googled it. I'm looking for it. I'm trying to fit. Like, yeah, I could have just read this, Jeremy. It would have been right here. Well, it's, it's amazing because you know, basically, the one one version of this has um, the top has like basically smooth top more or less and the other version has a prototyping version on it and I, I was hooking up some stuff for a you know to demonstrate it and i was hooking up these lights and i hooked up a um a fan as well with an easy fan two board that we talked about earlier and i was like oh you know where's where's the five volts again i was like oh i can just look over here to the left and it's really it's really a fantastic feature i i, I don't know why that's not i don't know i'm surprised it's not more prominent but you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. This is a super sturdy case, Jeremy. PCBs like, are made out of fiberglass, right? That's some kind of... Yeah, F FR4. FR, FR4, and it's sturdy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can't uh, make a drone out of this. I'd destroy it, but I could huck this at the wall and it would survive. I mean, maybe I'd smash the connectors off because they're hanging out, but the case would be fine. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess one other thing I, I should highlight about the case, you know, it's got the the GPIO pins, it's got a space for that, and then the fan. You know, I haven't ever seen a design like this exactly either, but it's got a square square hole in the middle, so you could put a um, a heatsink on it. And then what it's got, it's got not not holes for mounting, it's got slots for mounting, which basically allows you to use in theory, different size fans. The fans could be bigger or smaller. I only tried it with a 30 millimeter fan, but theoretically you could fit something a little bit different on there. And you know, it I looks like that... you have slots for the ca the camera and the uh, display. Right, I've got slots for those as well too. So I haven't actually tested that, but you know, hopefully that'll, hopefully that'll work. <laughs> you know, I've got some on the bottom, you know, I've got my mounting holes and, and such. Pat suggests that I put a uh, interesting design on one side. I don't know if I will or not, but uh, that's that's. Yeah, they know, should definitely be different so you can make a choice on because it's reversible. Technically, you could flip yeah. it over so you could put it on either way. Yeah, they're they're mounting holes, and then one of them can, or I guess either of them really, they could be used with a uh, DIN rail adapter. So if you wanted to put your put your Raspberry Pi in an industrial case, not that not that I'm necessarily warranting this for for um, industrial use. Do you mean to tell me that I can make a mount to snap this onto my baker's rack next to my CNC machine? If it's got so, a DIN rail, absolutely. No, well, it doesn't, but I can make an adapter that would just go right onto that round metal. Yeah, I don't I don't see why not. You're smarter than I thought you were, Jeremy. Oh, th thank you, Pat. You are uh, quite could, welcome. Quite that could welcome. Be, um, that could be a compliment, depending on how, you, how smart you thought I was before. <laughs> But this is amazing, Jerry. I'm really pleased oh. with this. 
Well, thank you. That's that's very nice of you to say. It's uh, you know, I feel like, I feel like my PCB design skills. You know, it's like, it's like it's good enough, but it's not like I do anything that. It's not like I do anything that advanced. It's just sometimes I have these ideas that maybe people haven't thought of, if that makes any sense. It makes sense. Because I have a lot of ideas, and a lot of them, a lot of them you don't want to know about. <laughs> not not that they're ominous, but you know, well, a lot of them. You should post them into Discord, and people will tell you that they'll either confirm or deny your intuition that it's a good or a bad idea. Well, that's a good that's a good point. But but most of them. Most of them Is I know that are true, bad James? ideas. James says that uh, a lot of 3D printers are starting to use DIN rails for the electronics. Really? Is this a Voron well, thing, James? He'll tell. This will, he's like 30 seconds behind. Oh, okay. we're 30 seconds behind, so he won't answer that right away. Well, that that's interesting. Well, that I mean that that's great because I I'm a big fan of DIN rail. You know, I think as I as I mentioned, I used to work in industry and I used to used to hate anything except for screw terminals and uh, spring terminals. I like soldering better than I used to, but... You're getting better at it, Jeremy. I've noticed in your more recent videos, it seems like you've had some practice. Oh, thank thank you. I can um, I can say that's about about the same thing as, you know, me being smarter, I me being smarter than I thought you were. Or... Well, we, we have evidence as to how well you used to solder. You have videos. I, I was very bad <laughs> at one point in my life. But I see so. you've upgraded to a TS-100 soldering that's iron. That's right. How do you like it? That's, I like it. Because I've, um, I've upgraded to a Pinesel. A Pinesel? It's a... Well, the TS-100 and TS-80, I guess they're both open source. And the Pinesel is the, the Pine64 computer people make okay. a TS-80 compatible... They're really... They're like 25 bucks for the Pinesel. Okay. And I said, I'm never going to use this. Brian got me one. And I said... Why would I use this? I have this nice 80 watt big honking soldering iron. Why would I ever use this tiny little soldering iron? And at first I hated it because I kept touching the button. You know, I'd pick okay. it up and hold it and I'd hit the down arrow by mistake. But I've stopped once I stopped doing that, it's a fantastic little $25 soldering iron. Hmm. Way better than my hundred dollar soldering station. Really? And yeah, your TS one hundred you know, should be at least as good, I imagine. A friend of mine said the oh I need to upgrade my soldering station, but I don't know. I think the TS-100 is pretty good. It is quite good. It's a whole lot better than my uh, Radio Shack model or whatever whatever it was back back before I had the TS-100. Yeah. How how much do we have to pay to buy a Pi Protect at uh, Untendi? Is that a? It's, have you decided well, that yet? I haven't quite decided yet. I'm, how much How much would you pay for one, Pat? Boy, I don't know. I'm. I'm the kind of guy that if I want a case for my Pi, I'm going to turn on my 3D printer. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear, it's tough I hear, for me to say. I hear that. I would, I'll, I'll say that it'll be between 5 and $30. Well, I would definitely, I would certainly pay 5 but I don't know that I'd pay 30 Jeremy. <laughs> and are okay. you going to do kits with a little fan and everything? Yeah, so I probably will do a, a, a fan. Basically, I'm thinking what I'll do, you know, since I have this, Easy fan two board probably all have like an option that you can just like pop on an easy fan two and a and a fan or I, I don't know I haven't quite figured it out because you know from Kickstarter I've, I've figured out it's very important to figure out what options you want to you want to add otherwise it just becomes kind of can I tell you about a thing that I'm bummed out about that I haven't found a solution for yet because okay. it might sure. be a problem that you have 
Well, if, if you got a problem, I'll solve it. Will you really? Let me pop this case open here so I can pull the wires. You know the DuPont connectors, the little sure. breadboard wires. Well, I want to be able to connect my Uber Lights boards. I want to be able to send out an Uber Lights with, you know, DuPont headers on the other end of the... But DuPont headers are terrible. They're so tall. Jeremy, do you know a way that I can connect to regular pins with some... Do you know of a lower profile way to do this? Are you interested in soldering them? Well, I'm... No, that's the answer everybody gives me, Jeremy. And I could do... I would be happy to do that. But I'd like to be able to send... Yeah, I'd like to be able to 3D print a case, stick an Uber lights in it with wires coming out of it, and mail it to someone. And they could just plug it in and... I've never done it, but I've heard of a technique called wire wrapping. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you I have, bet too. No, I bet no end user wants to... I mean, I know about wire wrapping. We used to do it in the at the telephone company. They have a little gun that goes whoop and hmm. zips the... Man, I'm trying to think. You know, I, I got some... For the um, Easy Fan 2, incidentally, I, I got some low-profile 90-degree headers, male headers, that work pretty well. Now, that's not the same. That's not what you need, but maybe maybe there's something... Yeah, I tried... Maybe there's something I like... I tried, like, the ribbon cables, like, that look like the old IDE cables, but they're just as tall as a DuPont cable. By the time, you know, the little protectors across the back and everything, I was bummed out when I dug one of those out of my parts bin. Uh, I don't know, Pat. I guess... I guess I won't solve it. I just wanted to make no. another. Uh, I don't have. I, it's reference. a hard. It's a hard problem, Jeremy. James wants to know how do us guys. That's you and me, Jeremy. How do we feel about PCBs with pogo pins for easy attach accessories on a Pi or similar? Yeah. So a pogo pin is basically like a. It's like an electro connector that has a spring on it, that looks like a pogo stick. So you know you poke it in something and it has a. Oh, that's kind of interesting effect. Hook it in something and um Yeah, so if you have like three or nice four of them in a row, they don't have to all be perfect. When they touch the PCB, they'll all get pushed down. Like my three fingers yeah. here. It'll the first one will hit and then So so is he talking about actually putting the pogo pins on the pie or is he talking about an accessory? I assume or... on the accessory. Like on a hat. Not a hat. What do they call them on a pie? A cape? Hat? Cape? Uh not a not either not. No, it's hat. Harder attached to top. But hats are oh, it's shields are Arduino's. Shields are Arduino's. Cape capes are beagle oh. beagle board. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like pogo pins. I, yeah, I don't. I guess you, pogo pins are pretty tall, though. You'd have to have a pretty tall accessory to stick on top of your pie to get it to pogo yeah. onto. I mean, I like them, but uh, really depends on the context. I think um, magnets might be pretty cool. Oh, I love magnets, Jeremy. I think Apple had something like that, that basically like a power thing that would would pop off if somebody... Yeah, the MagSafe you know, plugs. MagSafe. Yeah. So, so something like that for a Pi would be pretty cool. Yeah, and you would need female pogo pins. And I don't even know if those exist. Is that... Oh, somebody will tell me if I'm wrong. So you could go to tindy.com slash whatever Jeremy's URL is, and you could go buy yourself a Pi Protect by the time this is on the air. For somewhere between five and thirty-five dollars. That's 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 right. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Or just just uh, look up Jeremy. Just Google Jeremy Cook Tindy. I should. Boy, should and these. Up. Oh, but you'd need to send the standoffs. I was gonna say these would ship in an envelope for twenty-five cents. How much is a stand? They're not twenty-five cents anymore. <laughs> yeah. Forty-two cents. Forty-eight yeah. cents. Fifty-two yeah. cents. Yeah. Back back in nineteen eighty-five, you know, you could send them back to back to the. Send it back with Marty McFly or whatever. Yeah. 
Jeremy, you're going to make fun of me. Well, we could edit this out of the Kickstarter episode because it doesn't have to be in there. <coughs> Yesterday, my friend, you know Alan. Sure, I do. He just got a new welder. He got the last pieces. to. He was going to be welding yesterday. It was the first time. He said, Pat, you should come over. I'm going to weld. You need to help me out. And I said, well, Alex, I have to go do a podcast. We have to do a live stream tonight. I got out the camera. I put a shirt on. I set everything up yesterday. And about an hour or a half hour before it would have been time to do the podcast, Chris asked me what I'm doing. I said, well, I'm getting ready to podcast. She said, Pat, that's tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, shirt. And I, you know, I unplugged everything. Yeah, well. And yeah, I felt, I, I felt bad. It happens. Well, I'm glad you were, I'm glad you were thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, usually I, if I missed it all, I missed by an hour because of time zones. I get mixed up. Oh, yeah. But this this was a whole day somehow. Well. Don't tell anyone. You know, sometimes. YouTube. Sometimes it's the next day in China or the previous day. So that's. I mean, you're in Texas. Yeah. Oh. Jeremy, we've been playing. Did you, have you, did you see Jared's video with the giant, the big giant F key? Uh, the, the guy from Subway or? The, the, the... Yeah. No, the guy from Australia. Okay. He has a big 3D printed yeah, yeah, F key yeah, yeah. that works. He's been playing Velocidrone with us on Thursday night oh, really? in Discord. Yeah. And, you know, he said it's in the afternoon when, you know, we do it at 9 p.m. And he's in Australia, so it's like 2 in the afternoon or something, he said. And you know what? I had to ask him, is it 2 in the afternoon? Is it today or tomorrow? Yeah, but, I mean, to him it's today. Well, yeah, to him it's today. But is it... We do it Thursday nights. Is he playing on Thursday afternoon or is he playing on Friday Friday afternoon while we're playing on Thursday night? I didn't know. I don't know. Maybe he's watching the And now yeah, yeah. now that I'm saying this, I'm totally confused. I don't remember what the answer well, is. Well, if, if you're watching the uh podcast, Jared, please uh please, please let us me. know. <laughs> yeah, Jared, tell us what day it is. What day where well, you, you know, are I've got a, right now. I've got a thing on my I my um thing or whatever. And um, it tells me what time it is in Shenzhen. So that's pretty... Oh, that's close, close enough. enough. So it's it's tomorrow plus 13 hours. So I guess... So he was playing Friday afternoon. Well, the thing is, in Shenzhen right now, it's 10.15 in the morning. So... Today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. But, you know, Australia's got several time yeah. zones, I would have to imagine. Yeah, but he's a... Two, he when, Well, I don't even know what time it is now. Yeah, it's, he's a few hours off from there. But that's fine. It's tomorrow. So he plays on Friday okay. when we play on Thursday. I'm going to remember well, that. Well, that's, that's good, I, I guess. So The future. Yeah. Our friend James Cobb, he tells us that's the future. The future. Is yeah. when, when he plays. Uh, Brian, well, first, before I ask the question, Brian Smart, he asked Google what time it is right now in Western Australia. Brian, did, it, did she tell you what day it is in Western Australia? <laughs> You know, and speaking, speaking of shipping, Jeremy, you have on our list that you'd like to talk about the TV shows that we're watching right now. Oh, Is that yeah. too, is I, that well, too big just, of a jump? No, I figure, uh, I figure we're, we're, uh, we're about to wrap it up, right? So we'll, yeah. we'll go ahead and like give a little... I figure that's a good thing to tell. Um, but, yeah. Pat, is there anything you want to talk about? I feel like you've been asking all the questions. I oh. mean, I guess that was the point tonight. Well, I don't know, Jeremy. Anything you've been working on? or? No, not today. I'm okay. I've been... I just talked about so many things last week on the other live stream on the Butter What channel. So I'm kind of okay. 
figure that's always a good service. I'm, I'm always like interested in what people are watching because try to find stuff to watch. Um, so it says here you're enjoying so, you know, the expanse. I enjoyed. I saw the whole thing. Enjoyed the. Don't expanse. say too much. Don't spoil it. I haven't gotten to the last. Right, I'm season not going to spoil yet. anything. I'll say there was there were two. There's a main plot line and kind of like a sub plot line. Main plot line resolved itself pretty nicely, but there was like a sub plot line that I just felt like was kind of like we didn't need that. Why there. do they even have this in here? You don't need that. That's there. how I felt so, about the Matrix that, movie. The new Matrix movie. Did you watch the new Matrix? I I I didn't. Was it was it worth watching? I mean, it's nowhere near as exciting as the first one was in 1998 or whenever that was, 99. That was very exciting. Was it better than it the third one? It was way better than the third one. Okay. How was it compared to the uh, second? I've always said that I think there were about like two and three quarter really good, or one and three quarter really good Matrix movies. And like the last 20 minutes of the second movie just just killed the story, right? It just... Everything was could have made sense, could have made sense, and then it was like, now this is just weird. I don't, but yeah, it's better than yeah. the second and third movie, I think. Okay. It's fun. Well, maybe I'll... it's enough fun. Is it, it makes enough. Is that on HBO? Is it on HBO still? Ah, uh, it... I don't think it is. I think I think it was yeah. the end of January they took it down. It'll okay. be back up though, Jeremy. You'll be able to see it again. All right. So maybe I'll maybe I'll watch it or you know get it at the red box or library or whatever. So, yeah, I'll tell you what. My kids get all kinds of movies do from the library. Really? It's quite the, quite the. Oh yeah, it's 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 a great resource. Now, so, do you have your kids watching? You know, I I should know how old your kids are, Jeremy, but I'm not good at. I, even if you told me, I don't understand how old they are. That, so, no, that's fine. You it's, can ask. I mean, it, I, I prefer to keep it beat by family. Okay, vague. well you that's know fine. What I'm saying? But, so, but well, the, here's my real question: Are you teaching your children to watch the TV shows you grew up watching? Like we have Brian's son watching Knight Rider with us, and he thinks it's bananas. No, not really. You know, I, I feel like I'll, um, I feel like I need to introduce my son to Star Wars eventually. Yeah, because he's he's he like he's pretty into it. But it's like, you know, how are how am I going to get my hands on a decent non special edition copy <laughs> of the first three movies? That's that's like I can't have him watching that. That's that's ludicrous. But. That's neither here nor there. So, so no, not 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 really. He's still a little young for okay. that, but maybe not Night Rider. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, Night Rider. Night Rider would have been new when I was like six, I think, and we thought it was okay. really cool when I was a kid. Really cool. I mean, it was a car that talked. I... My uncle at the time he bought a mid seventies Corvette at that time, and I thought it was a cool car. But you know what? I I asked him a question that's very offensive to a Corvette owner. He still has that car, I think. I asked. Okay. I asked him, "Why didn't you buy a Trans Am like like from Night Rider?" <laughs> I was sick. I didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't understand this yeah. was the better car. I didn't know. <laughs> who's who's yeah. to say? <laughs> Brian um, says that Gunner, that's Brian's son, has been binge watching the Ghostbusters cartoon. Okay, that's interesting. Actually, I've heard the uh, Star Wars cartoon is pretty pretty good. I haven't watched that. There's a Maybe couple of different of... Star Wars cartoons, aren't there? Okay. There's, there's too some, much. I guess the too... thing is, there's too much. There's too the much. The Mandalorian was fantastic. I... Have you seen the Mandalorian? I heard that you don't was have Disney good. Plus. I have. I have oh. not. Because because I have because I've chubbed children. If I get Disney Plus, you will have it forever. If we get rid of Disney Plus, there'll be a a riot. I think. 
But I do want to see The Mandalorian. It's a good show. But, you know. You'll have to pirate it. Get it on the piratebay.com. <laughs> maybe they could make a crossover with, like, Back to the Future. The, the DeLorean. Oh, see, I'd want you know, that. But that's probably, like, Rick and Morty is that crossover. Right? Almost. Sort of. Oh, yeah. Is Rick and Morty still on HBO or not? It's somewhat. Yeah, it's on ask. HBO. Yeah. They have it on the HBO okay. app. Hmm, interesting. Uh, well, I don't have HBO right now. I'm, I, I kind of cycle through things like a, like a wheel, like a wheel of time, as you might, as you might, uh, might say. And I wasn't a fan of that. I, show, I watched to be the honest. wheel of time and I enjoyed it enough. I mean, I don't know. I would never go out and say, I, "Oh, I you got to watch the wheel of time. You got to watch, Jeremy. Go." Wa-. I wouldn't say that. I don't feel like I, I wasted my time, little... though. Sometimes I watch a show and right. I feel like I, mean... I wasted my time. I didn't think it was that bad, but I didn't think it was. I just heard the books were spectacular, and I was just expecting more yep. out of it. So, you know, I remember that's, uh, trying to read the first book. I don't want to say trying, but I don't do well reading fantasy where they, you know, they describe all the leaves on the trees and the way the grass is doing what. It, I don't uh, care. I'm like to... four chapters in and nothing's happened. Just I'm going to read something else. Yeah, no, I agree. Some books can just be should just be cut down a little bit. <laughs> My friend Cliff used to oh. do that. He used to have those yellow, yellow books oh, in the yeah, bookstore that we used to write our yeah. book reports from. I well, I will say book wise, last last series I read was uh, the Silo series. Yeah, I don't know if anybody watching has has seen that the or listening, Silo but that those are those are some excellent books. It's basically about these. I don't want to give too much away because there's like there's like several levels of of reveals in the whole thing, but I guess it's not it's not revealing much. But basically, these people live in a in a silo underground, like a missile silo, okay. basically. And that's all I'll say for now. But it was like on uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, kind of like Kimmy Schmidt, but gigantic. <laughs> or Fallout, yeah. those um, Fallout games. Yeah, you know, I never played those. I, I never I, did. I, I played but, the game before Fallout. I played the. The team that made Fallout made another game before they worked. Yeah, I don't know the history of the company, but they didn't have the rights to you continue using the name, so it's a different game. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, but that was okay. that was the '80s, Jeremy. When I played that, that was maybe the early '90s. What, it was what called game Wasteland. Was the? I feel like I've heard of that. How how can they not? How was Wasteland? A well, it's I mean the the whole whatever. Anyway. I mean, you, if you're making a part two. Based on the characters and the... You... Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so you didn't like The Wheel of Time? Yeah. I mean, I only watched, like, most of one Did you episode, watch The Witcher? So it was just... I, I enjoyed I watched, The Witcher like, a lot maybe two more episodes of than that one. Wheel of Time. I think that was a better show, but the guy just throws me off a little bit because he's like, you know... It's like, how old is this guy? Because he seems pretty young, but then he's got, like, long... Like very gray hair, something, something. Oh, and if you didn't watch the whole right season, I don't want to tell you how much time goes by. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll it's go a, back and watch it. They did a good job of whatever. I don't want to spoil here to anyone, but they did a good job yeah, okay. of it. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll pick that up. I'm I'm on. I don't have Netflix at this point. We've got Apple Plus and Amazon. Okay. So and I, you know, I um. Watch a couple of episodes of Reacher. Probably watch some more of it. Is this something I should watch? Yeah, pr- pretty good. It's a, um, 
you know, I'd describe it as a, uh, this type of movie basically described as a Western. Basically, somebody comes into a town where things aren't right. It cleans things up. And that seems kind of like okay. what's happening here in a way. My my problem with the show is this guy looks about like, you know, mid-90s Arnold Schwarzenegger. But so far in the show, he's, he's had a beer, a piece of apple pie that he didn't eat, and like some some sort of like Snickers bar or something. And I think maybe he ate like some guy's meal You're at a prison. You're saying he needs more calories to maintain this stature. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the guy, if a guy looks like that, you got to justify it somehow. You know, <laughs> This like, is the um, realism Jeremy is looking for. If the guy is big, I, he's got to be eat. Because did you see, you know, I know you're a fan of uh, JK, uh, not rallying, but oh, Simmons. Oh, yeah, he's fun. In uh, last episode of um, Goliath, did you see that? I'm, I missed the last season. I've not seen the, the newest season of Goliath, I don't think. Anyway, that, that guy's pretty pretty ripped. And, you know, it shows shows his muscles off a bit. But it also shows him working out all the time and eating a lot. Yeah. So, you know what? That's what I expect <laughs> out of that. If, if now, you know, and, Brian told me that I've, I'm doing a bad job keeping up with the chat because one of us is always talking while I'm reading this. And then we're already talking about a new show. Sure. But they're doing a good job talking to each other here. But Brian oh, okay. said he watched uh, all of WandaVision in his attempt to catch up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I want to know if he's had the song stuck in his head. There's a song. I there was it's a fantastic. song. I heard people weren't happy. Heard some people is weren't ha- happy about Who it. Who was unhappy about it? Supposedly, people were unhappy because they expect some sort of big reveal in the after post credit scene. I just, I just feel like that at some point, I just couldn't, couldn't deal with. It's too just much. Too much. Too much stuff. I mean, how many? You Brian know, says you need to stop jumping to conclusions and watch more Reacher. How much he eats is a recurring theme. Brian says. That's Brian McMoses down down okay. there in the YouTube chat. All right. Well, that's that's good, Brian. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I have this invention that I made. It's called a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to put it on Kickstarter pretty soon, I, I think. It's a good enough show, I, I, but not like a must, must watch. I'll say The Expanse. Got to watch that. Got to watch Counterpart. I, awesome I wish too, they didn't cancel but... Counterpart. I enjoyed where that was trying to go. I think it ended it logically. I felt like I, I was I a little was rushed. Happy with the ending. To an ending, maybe. Oh. But that's fine. Anyway. It doesn't watch. I agree though. Counterparts fantastic. I would I would watch both seasons. And you know, I guess I got to ask you one more question before we you know, probably probably sure. wrap this up. Pat, have have you finished no. the head yet? I tried to um, one day, and I realized well, I I spent waited so long. I forgot enough. And I didn't know who anybody was anymore, and I figured I, I'm in trouble now. I don't know how I'm going to... I can't go back to the beginning. Yeah, I goofed up. Well, I okay. did a bad job, yeah. Jeremy. I, I just enjoyed the whole scenery, you know, being on an Arctic, Antarctic, Antarctic yeah. ice station thing. But, well, Pat, I think that's a I think probably so. good place to leave it. Where, should I, so, do we do a sign-off so. like this is a podcast? Do, you need, do we need to tell everybody where to find your stuff? As far as if you want to find me, you can look up Jeremy S. Cook. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy S. Cook, on YouTube at Jeremy S. Cook. And if you search for me on Tindy for any of the stuff that I've mentioned, you know, it's on my stores or will be in some form or fashion. Just look up Jeremy Cook Tindy or Jeremy S. Cook Tindy. I'll be there. Uh, I'm on the what internet, about you, Pat? Jeremy. Where can we find I have you? A, I've, I have a website. It's patshead.com. And everything else you need to find about me it's all all the links to the important stuff are in the sidebar like my youtube channel and my social media stuff and yeah it's all there 
and it'll be in the description of this video and i bet we do it on i bet it's in the somewhere on soundcloud too i bet we do it it's, it's yeah it's somewhere you'll there. Find me. if you if you try to find us if you look hard yeah. enough you'll probably find us so all right well good, it was uh, good talking to you jeremy we've got spam in on youtube here really well, that's like pretty impressive oh that goodness. we're that popular that we could spam now we well, should uh, i'm sorry i was uh canceling the spam and i don't know i'm slow because i don't know which button i've never had to do that before i didn't know which buttons to click but yeah we're good you guys uh, all have a good night Bye -bye. Where's, where's the button here it is